Hi, this is Janet Lansbury. Welcome to Unruffled. Today, I have a guest. Well, I've been a fan of hers for a really long time. Her name is Nedra Glover Tawab. She's a best-selling author. She's a therapist. She's a sought-after relationship expert, founder and owner of the group therapy practice Kaleidoscope Counseling. And her philosophy is that a lack of boundaries and assertiveness underlie most relationship issues. And she has this gift of helping people to create healthy relationships with themselves and others. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from Nedra about setting boundaries for ourselves and for our children. Hi, Nedra. Thank you so much for being here. What a pleasure it is to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. Me too. So I loved your book. And I'm, of course, one of the millions who appreciates and is inspired by the perspective that you share. And I thought we could start with maybe you talking a little about why boundaries are so important in relationships, adult relationships with our children, for our children. Yeah. I think in relationships, there is really no way to exist without having some limitations, expectations, and clearly stated needs. Without that, we end up in these tumultuous situations where we don't feel heard, we feel unseen, and we're constantly frustrated. So boundaries are you know, a way of saving relationships, a way of preserving relationships, a way of being able to show up and have people understand who you are. Yes. You say that the goal of your book is to curate a deeper understanding of how boundary issues appear in real life, family, work, romance, friendships, even technology. And yeah, that these boundaries are what actually makes relationships flourish. Boundaries have been a big issue for me, and I had to figure it out because I had a child who really, really needed them, and it wasn't working. I can do this with children now because I've seen with my own eyes over and over again and heard from parents that their child is more peaceful, their child is more able to thrive and flourish in all areas of their life. But I still struggle with adult boundaries and with boundaries with myself. Your book really laid that out for me, and I actually cried a little when I read this part about setting boundaries with ourselves around self-talk and Mm -hmm. you wrote, I speak to myself as gently as I would talk to a small child. I coach myself through awkward moments. I allow myself to make mistakes without judging myself harshly. I don't call myself names. I don't make mean comments about myself either in my mind or out loud in front of others. Mm -hmm. That was profound for me. It's so much easier for me to do this for children but harder for myself. I'm, I'm still parenting myself in many ways, right? Like I'll refer to myself sometimes as little Nedra. I still get scared. I still get frightened. I'm afraid. I, I get uncomfortable and I have to be that voice for myself. Now I'm the adult voice, right? So it's like, girl, you're going to be okay. Like, listen to a song. You're amazing. You're great. I do the whole talking in the mirror thing. I have an inspirational playlist. Whatever will help me feel better in that moment. Even when I, you know, make a mistake, 
I am cheering myself on like, you didn't know what you didn't know. You didn't know this would be a mistake, Nedra. Like you thought that this was a wonderful idea. Turns out not so much, uh, but you are doing a good job or, you know, this was a lesson learned or, you know, whatever those things are. And it really is things that I find myself saying to my kids, you know, my kids are small, so I'm still saying a lot of good job. Wow. You did that. So I'm saying all of that stuff to myself. Good job. Wow, you did that. I do not tire of celebrating my wins, small or big. I mean, if I go and buy a dress and it fits well, oh my gosh, do you see my dress? I think about how many times a day my kids say to me, look at this drawing, look at this flip. We all want that. But for some reason, adults we try to trick ourselves into thinking we don't want that validation. Now, what I know is as adults, we don't want to call our friends and ask our partner and ask everyone, validate me, validate me, validate me. So a lot of that will be what I choose to say to myself in those moments when I'm seeking that validation. Were you always able to do this or how did you begin that as a practice? The relationship that you have with yourself, it sounds like. You talk in your book about how it's a muscle. Yeah, I think it's just the constant practice. I can't even say I'm all the way there yet. I'm not where I want to be. I'm still figuring out how to speak to myself well, how to treat myself kindly, how to allow people to be nice to me and to say things that are nice to me without making a joke. And, you know, like I'm still learning a lot of this stuff, but I'm certainly conscious about practicing it because it's a worthy practice. It's very worthwhile to feel good about yourself. Because that's where everything starts, our abilities to function in any environment, right? That's to always start there. Absolutely. I I don't know another place where it can begin. We are in relationships from the time we're born. And the biggest relationship, the most consistent relationship we have is the one with ourselves. And that is the relationship that I'm constantly trying to improve. I'm trying to develop my effective communication with myself. I'm trying to develop my boundaries, my honesty, my trust, all of those things. Anything that I would want in another person, I am trying to figure that out with within the relationship that I have with myself, because it's very hard to tell people how you want them to show up for you when you don't know how you want them to show up for you. It's like, they're not giving me what I need. Well, what do you need? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But they should know, right? (laughs) They should know. Uh, So just understanding that we can change, you know, a lot of things that I used to like, I no longer like. So, you know, being gentle with myself around that. I've always considered myself an early bedtime person, but I find that it's just getting earlier and earlier. And at some point I'm going to be going to bed at 6 p.m. But I even think that like embracing like those shifts of who we are, because sometimes we could get so down on ourselves about not being our old self. I used to be this. I used to weigh this amount. I used to be able to, you know, eat this or, you know, all of these things. And it's like, you've been changing forever. This is just part of, you know, your process of evolving. Embrace it. Don't fight against it. Now, you know, you cannot eat cheese or yogurt or whatever it is. You know, your body is changing. 
Uh, gosh, you're reminding me of a, I was somewhere on social media, I saw this, that instead of saying, oh no, I'm this age now, and maybe like you said, what have I lost or what's different or what's do I think is not going as well for me. But if we shoot to the future, we're going to be looking back at now and saying, that was so great when I was that age. And now I'm this much older. We have a hard time appreciating where we are. We're always trying to get back to something or to get something else. It's, it's very hard to just be present in the moment of who you are. I had a medical exam the other day and the lady saw my weight and she was like, oh, what I wouldn't give to be that size again. And I, you know, I mentioned to her, I said, it's funny you say that because we never appreciate when we're that size. You know, when you were that size, you probably were like, I would love to be you know, like this other size. <laughs> like, right. There is this constant self-improving instead of just self-acceptance. Right. Do you ever think about why this is such a challenge for us? And is there anything we could do not to heap more pressure on ourselves, but is there anything we can do as parents to help our children not have to work so hard at this, giving them a more comfortable sense of self-acceptance? I think in terms of children, it's very important that we're modeling what we want them to see. And the things we don't want them to see, we need to do secretly and private. So um, I love to eat candy. I don't eat candy in front of my kids because I don't want them to eat a bunch of candy. There are times where we have these ideas about our bodies or our inabilities, but your child doesn't need to hear you call yourself stupid. Your child doesn't need to hear you, you know, oh my gosh, my arms are so, you know, because they will start to, to think about like, well, I think mom is great. If she has a problem with her arms, then maybe it's something wrong with my arms. Or I think mom is beautiful. And she says, I look like her. So if she thinks she has an issue with her appearance, what's going on with me? Because kids are so intuitive. They get this messaging from things that we don't even think they're picking up. So it's so important to model appropriate behavior. And I don't even want to say fake it till you make it because I want you to buy into it. I want you to really believe that, you know, you don't have to say bad things about yourself or be mean or hard on yourself. I really want you to say wonderful things um, about yourself and believe it. And I want your kids to hear you saying those things because it is so very important. Yeah. And don't you think it works maybe the other way too, that we have a hard time accepting our children because maybe it reflects on things we don't like about ourselves. And so we're not as accepting of them because we're not as accepting of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, just more reasons to take care of ourselves. I always find, you know, that parenting, it can be an inspiration. Well, this is how it was for me, at least, that because I want my children to have healthy boundaries and because I want them to have self-care, that inspires me to work harder on it for myself. So it's not so much like I'm trying to be the perfect parent. I want to be the best version of myself, you know, imperfect version of myself so that I can give that to my children. Mm -hmm. It's important to do your work. But the, the first step is being aware of the work you have to do. And I find that often 
we are unconsciously existing. We're not even aware we're just doing, we're just being. And in that doing and being, sometimes we are passing on to our children, you know, things that we don't want them to have, things that we don't even want to be, but they are picking up on it because we haven't done our work yet. Yeah. We can though, when we start doing the work, we can reflect with our child that we weren't doing what we really wanted to do. So that that repair piece, I think mm-hmm. we all need to know is is very powerful actually for children. It's probably one of the best modeling that we can do, you know, making amends or taking responsibility for ourselves. Do you feel like your parents did that for you? Mm, well, one of them, not at all. And the other one, sometimes yes, sometimes no, I would say. Yeah. What about you? Both no. (laughs) Both no. I think that there takes a bit of emotional work for adults to be able to do that. Even me, anyone. I think of times when I was younger and I would be like, I didn't do that. You know, like I was still saying that for, for so long, even as an adult. You know, now I try to operate with some level of integrity, like, okay, tell these people you just, you know, you broke this display, right? You know, there were times where I'd be like, I didn't do it. Well, I don't know who did it. You <laughs> oh, know, you're so... the one. <laughs> now we know who to call about those Yeah, displays. yeah. And that's that was in adulthood. But, you know, it's still yeah. that fear of, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to be perceived as a bad person. You know, whatever those things are. So, you know, it takes quite a bit of self-talk to push you through those instances where you are owning something and you don't want to beat yourself up for it. Like you made that mistake. So apologizing to my kids, gosh, I just apologize for some, oh, I yelled yesterday. I yelled yesterday. And I said, oh, I really apologize for yelling. That wasn't kind. We shouldn't yell at people, which I tell my kids all the time. But yeah, I apologize because I, I don't agree with yelling. I really don't. Just because I did it doesn't mean that I should get away with it. I I think we have to be okay with, I do bad stuff sometimes too. And it's not okay. I don't get to excuse that stuff because I did it. It's like, no, it's still not okay. And darn it, I did it. Yes. My children are adults now. I have three. And I've recently apologized for some things from decades before that I didn't even really consider I wasn't able to. I was too overwhelmed with just what was in my vase and what was going on. And of course, my kids are like, what are you even talking about? (laughs) Children are so forgiving. They just love you, right? I mean, they're so accepting. They're so bent that way. And they make it easier. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about one thing you said in your book, which I thought was so spot on, which is the number one reason people avoid setting boundaries, fear of someone getting mad at them. Mm Mm-hmm which is true with our children, that we'd lose their love or that, you know, they wouldn't like us anymore. I was afraid of all those things. But then I would see time and again, children are so forgiving. And in their heart, they want those boundaries. I've seen that so many times. They can't tell us this, but in their heart, they they just want to feel safe and that we're not mad at them. We're not resenting them. We're not annoyed by them, that we're setting those reasonable boundaries. I think it's okay to normalize being annoyed and loving people because your children will annoy you and your children will annoy each other. 
and I will annoy my children. It's like the circle of life in a household. So I try to normalize annoyance as a part of being in relationships with people. People won't be perfect in relationships. And that's that's what an apology does, right? When you go to someone and you say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, when you guys were younger, I didn't know this. Or when you had this experience, I really didn't know how to respond. And I realized I said the wrong thing. You can always go back and correct those things because you're not a perfect person. It's impossible to be perfect in relationships because you're, you're learning, you know, 10 years ago, there are some things that you may not have known that you do know today. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's that thing too, of the more we love someone, the more they also drive us crazy sometimes. It's part of the equation. <laughs> you know, there's people that we don't care as much about that they do something it's like, eh. but those people that we're invested in that we really love. Yeah. Everything is more fueled with emotion, I guess. Another point that you made, which I think definitely applies to children, is realistic expectations don't lead to stress. So it's what we expect that can get in our way a lot of the time, what we expect from other people, what we expect, you know, children at different stages of development or anybody. So can you talk a little about that? Like what kind of expectations with other adults, let's say, will cause us stress? You know, I think it's stressful when you are raising children in community with people who disagree with your parenting style. A big one. Huge. Yeah. As a parent, I always remember this. Every grandparent had their opportunity to parent. <laughs> so this is my opportunity to parent and I want to be able to do it my way too. You know, so a lot of that is going to be me saying this is what I would like for my children. And I understand that you disagree with it, but I reserve the right to make the decision as their parent. You know, dad and I have decided, according to the pediatrician, this is the way we would like to do things. So just saying some of those things, it's really helpful. It can be pretty challenging. I would say, you know, if you could do it from the start, as soon as you have a baby, you know, really start with those boundaries because grandparents, they have been cultivating, you know, their idea of what grandparenthood will be like. So they're thinking about, I'm going to take my grandchild and we're going to do this. And my grandchild is going to spend the night and all of this stuff. And it's like, oh, I don't want my kids to spend a night at anyone's house. Even me, even you. So you have to talk about all of these things that they may have had a different idea about. Their ideas do not have to be your ideas. And it's very important that you acknowledge, oh, you know, I didn't know that you thought that would happen, but here's how we're thinking about doing things. Right. And you can do that very strongly, but lovingly still, mm -hmm. if we don't let it go too far and then it's harder maybe our expectations aren't as realistic and we're thinking, well, they should know this with whatever kind of boundary, then it's going to be harder when we get caught sort of on our heels. And now we're going to come into it with anger, with another kind of emotion. I mean, I guess that's normal too, but I, I love also that you said um, the biggest trigger for anxiety is the inability to say no, because then we're captive to other people, right? Mm -hmm. We're captive to whether it's with our child we're kind of putting ourselves at the mercy of them 
to do whatever. So that is an anxious feeling, right? We're like trapped. And you said to be aware of personal signs in the body that we need to set those boundaries. So feeling that coming up in ourselves. Yeah, um, feeling that anxiety rising, that that discomfort brewing, those feelings, they they manifest. And we would do ourselves a huge favor if we just noticed them and really honor them and ask them the question of, what do I need? What would make me feel more comfortable in this situation? What's missing here? What is it? You know, instead of just allowing it to be this, this thought that reoccurs, because often we'll just keep having a thought, I'm bothered, I can't believe this, I can't believe they said that, I can't believe this happened, when we really have, you know, some power to, to do something about it. Right. And with that feeling is and I'm liking them less and less, you know, and it's really not their fault because we didn't set the boundary. And that's, I think, what what really helped me as a parent was realizing that if I didn't set boundaries with my children, I was going to want to be with them less and less. That inspired me to do something that felt hard and scary. And um, just getting back to children, though, with extended family and even with friends, as you said, start early if you can. And with that baby, the baby's turning away from the person that wants to hug them and wants to hold them. Can we stand up for that baby and say, oh, it looks like this isn't the right time or, or something? It's, it's hard to do because people, their intentions are good. I mean, they just want to love and cuddle the baby. Yeah, I mean, it can be hard to say that she doesn't want to hug, but we have to allow people to deal with that discomfort, right? We can't save them from it and say, okay, I'm going to make my kid uncomfortable and hug you, even though they don't want to. It's like you're choosing this other person's comfort over your child's comfort. And for me, um, it's very important that my child feels comfortable. Of course, I want everyone else to feel comfortable, but in terms of physical boundaries with hugging and touching, I want you to trust what you feel happening in your body. So there will be times where you don't want to hug a person or you don't want a person shaking your hands or, you know, standing so close. And the way that we honor that is now is not waiting for you to do that work on your own. It's allowing you to feel that and be able to execute it at any age. Right, because they're learning from us what they deserve. It's for a very formative time with children and everything is making an impression on them about where they fit with other people. Do they deserve to set boundaries? It's a time of massive learning as we know. Yes, absolutely. It is a constant learning process to set healthy boundaries. Another thing I realized reading your book is that I actually help people set boundaries with me. So if I ask for something, I always couch it in, but it's okay. And I know you're busy and no worries if you can't. And uh, it's probably not a great thing, right? Mm. I hear totally people pleasing, but also you don't trust that people can tell you what they want. Like if someone right. is offering to do something, perhaps they're, they can do it. If they're offering to help you with something, you don't need to think of five ways for them to not be of help. I, I have a friend and when they're ready to get off the phone, they'll say, let me let you go. Cause I know you just arrived at so-and-so and you probably got it. I'm like, I didn't say anything. Like I'm <laughs> completely capable of ending a call. Well, I think it's like, I'm reflecting my own discomfort with setting boundaries. I'm projecting it onto the other person. 
that right. you're going to be like me. Yeah. I'm going to completely talk to you while the doctor is in the room or something. Like, I don't know how to say, Hey, let me call you back. The doctor is here. Now I got to go. Like I can do right. that. I think I need to be around a lot of people like you. Maybe that will help me. Yeah, um, I, I think you now have awareness. We've talked through this. So hopefully this is something that you're like, okay, now I got it. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, your book is magnificent. It just clarified so much for me and just things that I, I, I sort of knew, but maybe didn't think applied to me so much. So that's what your book does. I recommend set boundaries, find peace. Really, really helpful. Thank you. Uh, just so clear and so actionable. I love that about it. Um, and you have a, a workbook too, right? That goes with it. I do. The Set Boundaries Workbook. And it is really to help you deep dive into boundaries, practice boundaries and implement the boundaries. I think sometimes when we read books, we have all this information and then we're like, now what? And I want to give you those next steps. So now that we've talked about all this stuff, how do you implement it? Sounds great. I think that's the next one on my list. Anyway, thank you so much for sharing with us. And you are a great model of boundaries. And I just love that you've had so much success with this work because it, it really is key to peace, as you said, peace in our hearts, with ourselves, in our relationships. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. And you have a great day. Okay, you too, Nedra. Take care. Thanks for this work that you do. Really important. Thank you. I'll be linking to Nedra's book and website in the notes and the transcript of this podcast. Please check out some of my other podcasts. They're on my website, JanetLansbury.com. They're all indexed by subject and categories, so you should be able to find whatever topic you might be interested in. And both of my books are available in paperback at Amazon. That's Elevating Child Care, A Guide to Respectful Parenting, and No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame. You can get them in ebook at Amazon or Apple, Google Play or barnesandnoble.com, and in audio at audible.com. And you can get a free audio copy of either book at Audible by following the link in the liner notes of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We can do this. 